Hi, and welcome to this week's Omniverse podcast. I'm Scott Roche, your host and the writer of these episodes. This week's story is RCNP, read by John Miro. That should be noted, that's R-C-N as in Nancy, P. I have Canadian friends and one relative. I'm not proud of that fact, but it is what it is. A few years ago, my Canadian relative and his wife, my cousin, were visiting us. Daryl has a good sense of humor, and we were talking about how nice most Canadians are. I let my brain run with it and came up with something sinister and funny. I also pulled some inspiration from my friend Paul Cooley for the main character. He's often promised that he's going to off me in one of his stories. Will I beat him to the punch? You'll have to listen and see. This story is available for sale at PayHip. I'll leave a link in the show notes. You can buy some of my other stories there as well. The advantage to PayHip is I get to charge what I want and I get a larger percentage of the income. The drawback is there's no way to review it. So if you like this week's episode, you can review the whole podcast on iTunes or you can always blog about it or post about it on Facebook. If you like my podcast as a whole, you can back me at patreon.com. Where, where all the backers get a sneak peek of my new fiction and early copies of my books at either discounted rates or free, depending on what level they back me at. The promo at the end of this week's podcast is for the Quarter Bin podcast, so make sure to listen all the way to the end for that. That's all for this week. I hope you enjoy the episode, and we'll see you next time. Editor's note. This story does contain strong language, and you might not want to listen to it in front of Canadians. Paul Ellard looked out the window of the jumbo jet. It wasn't exactly jumbo on the inside. At six feet three and more than a hair over 240 pounds, he was anything but small. Even if he were no bigger than his absent wife, the pixie-ish five-foot even Katie, it still wouldn't be very comfortable. One more of these fucking business trips, and I get that promotion. He growled slightly louder than intended thanks to the third scotch. A lady poked her head, covered in an abundance of silver hair, barely restrained by a paisley scarf over the seat. Please, sir, I have my eight-year-old niece in the seat beside me. I'd appreciate it if you'd watch your language. She had a slight Canadian accent. Paul shot her the bird. I'd appreciate it if you'd mind your fucking business. She humped at him and squinted her eyes, deepening the crow's feet. I'd call the flight attendant, but we're almost in Toronto anyway. I'd watch your mouth once you set foot on our soil. There was a glint in her grandmotherly eyes that he didn't care for. Whatever. He closed his eyes and rubbed his temples. The announcement came over the plane's intercom. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. We want to thank you for flying Jet Red on our nonstop to Toronto. The temperature on the ground is a balmy 13 degrees. That's nearly 56 degrees to our American passengers. It's uh, bright and sunny, and the wind is coming out of the uh, northwest at uh, two kilometers an hour. We'll arrive at our gate on time, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. The remainder of the flight was smooth. The landing was picture perfect. He didn't have to be anywhere until tomorrow. He planned on checking into the hotel, stowing his gear, and finding somewhere with a quality scotch and free Wi-Fi. He had some bugs to check before hitting the client site tomorrow. 
His bags hadn't been lost, and getting a cab was a piece of cake. This wasn't his first trip to the Great White North, so he'd come prepared with a wad of the local currency and was ready to enjoy his stay. While he unpacked, he turned on the TV. That's Husky Chow, the dog food that won't disagree with your pooch. 100% meat, with no fillers or preservatives. The jingle for the dog food was annoying as hell, which meant it was probably effective. The local news came on, as mercifully bland as the news at home. He unpacked his laptop and put it on the little table. He hit the power button, and nothing happened. What the Jesus fuck? He checked the battery. It was fully charged, all five LEDs showing. The power supply also lit up. He spent a few minutes trying to figure it out, but it was no good. He slammed the lid and very nearly brought his fist down on the logo. He could imagine the sound of the screen cracking. God damn it all to hell. He threw the laptop on the bed and took a deep, cleansing breath. He counted to ten and then counted back again. The anger management course had been somewhat useful. He felt the rage ebb. He didn't really need another drink. That was how he'd gotten into the training in the first place. He wasn't an alcoholic, but it made his temper worse than his biology alone did. Food. I need some real food. Then I'll just go buy a new laptop for the presentation, download my code from the cloud, and it'll all be good. He pulled out his smartphone and made sure that the data connection was solid. It was. He could actually bug check the code on it, but the screen was way too small to be much use. He'd just charged the new laptop to the company card. He stood and tucked the phone in the back pocket of his jeans and slipped on his boots. The hotel restaurant wasn't bad. He'd eaten here a lot last time, but he needed some fresh air. He took the elevator down to the lobby. The smiling faces and nods of hello came from all sides. What happened to people minding their own damn business? He muttered it, but the lady on his left frowned. Stuff it, you twat. He directed the comment directly at her with a scowl. He noticed that she seemed to be wearing something that looked like a uniform. It was all red, with a white patch on her shoulder. She pulled a phone from her belt and spoke rapidly into it in French. He recognized a few of the words. American, in particular. I don't have time for this shit. He didn't hear the noise of a shudder as he walked on. Paul walked for a half dozen blocks before he cooled off. It was time to get some food in his belly. He looked up and saw that he was in a decent place to do just that. The one that really spoke to him was a place that called itself McLaren's Pub. Comfort food and a cold beer was just the ticket. He crossed the street and walked through the door. The smell of good fried food, alcohol being served in abundance, and an undercurrent of wood smoke filled the air. The light was dim enough that reading small print would be a challenge. It was a welcome change from the bright sun. Paul had always been a night owl. Good afternoon, sir. Just you today? The chipper young blonde woman got his attention. She wore a pair of black shorts that showed off just how hard she worked on squats and a dark red t-shirt that had the pub's name in an old-style font. Things were looking up. Yes, ma'am. I hope the food's as good as it smells. We like to think so. Follow me. She grabbed a menu and pivoted, leaving him to appreciate the view. He sat at the proffered booth and began to leaf through the menu.
they had a great beer selection and a host of scotches to choose from. They also had a traditional English pub menu as well as some local favorites. The shepherd's pie poutine caught his eye. When his waitress showed up, a redhead with short, curly hair and a musical staff tattooed on the inside of her forearm, he had made up his mind. So what can I get you today, sir? I'll have the shepherd's pie poutine and a Macallan 18. Oh, and a glass of water. He gestured to her arm. What's the significance? She looked at her arm and smiled back at him. It's a blank slate. I compose, and occasionally I'll use it to make a note or two. He nodded. Interesting idea. She nodded in thanks and took off to fill his order. He smiled, relaxed, and looked around to see if there were any good sports on. The nearby television had on a soccer game. It wasn't his cup of tea, but he appreciated the game. The men at the bar were cheering loudly, giving the whole place a convivial atmosphere. They had obviously been drinking the afternoon away and were in good spirits. His scotch and water arrived promptly, and he drank down half of the pint of water before touching the liquor. A growl from the bar caught his attention. What's that you called my team? I said they were a bunch of fucking fairies. The insulted man reared back to shove his much larger opponent. Just then, that jingle came on again, interrupting the game. It was loud enough that it could be heard all over the bar. The little guy seemed to blanch and look at his hands. He then looked at the man he was going to push and nodded. Sorry about that. Yeah, the big bald man nodded. Yeah, I'm sorry too. Paul had a moment to wonder at the sudden de-escalation before his food arrived. Here you go, sir. Will you be needing anything else for now? He nodded at the two guys. Narrowly missed a fight there. I guess Canadians are too polite to actually throw down? No, not at all. We get our share of hooligans here. He noticed her slight Irish accent when she said the word hooligan. It's not as bad as it is back home, though, that's for sure. And it's gotten better lately. She looked up at the television. That's good, I guess. He picked up his fork and stuck it into the pile of fries, cheese, ground lamb, and root vegetables. I'm good for now. She smiled and walked towards the bar. Paul finished his lunch and just stuck to the one scotch. He sipped at it and drank three pints of water. He didn't want to really get drunk. That would mean a hangover tomorrow if he wasn't careful, and that could look bad in front of the client. He'd have a late supper and a beer or two after walking off lunch and picking up the new laptop. He paid his bill and made his way back out into the sunlight. Clouds threatened, but they didn't look like they would bring any rain. His next stop was a big-box computer store. Best Buy wasn't his first choice, but he didn't feel that he could be too picky. He began browsing, and his thoughts were interrupted by a feminine voice. Can I help you find anything, sir? She wore the bright blue shirt and khakis that had once been his own uniform years ago. Her long blonde hair was tied back in a ponytail, and fine lines crinkled around her eyes and at the corner of her mouth as she smiled in greeting. He found the smile infectious. Just looking for a new laptop, mine went on the fritz. What sort of things are you looking for? I don't need anything particularly fast, but I need the lightest unit you have, with the biggest screen. Most of my work is in the cloud, but I still need a good-sized hard drive. She nodded along with his comments. Mac or PC? I'll probably reformat and drop Linux on whatever I get, so a PC body, I suppose. I don't see paying the damn jobs tax if I don't need to. Her smile widened. I hear that, sir. 
She gestured to one of the laptops on display. I think this one will suit your needs. It's got everything you asked for and the price is right. He looked at the price tag. It was actually very reasonable. She'd listened to his request and hadn't really put the pressure on him. Her American counterparts could learn a thing or two. That looks like just the thing. Let me think about it and look around. Sure thing, sir. Let me know if you need anything else. She went off to help the next customer. He browsed the machines but really couldn't find anything better than what she had suggested. He killed time looking at their music and movie selections. Before he knew it, a couple of hours had passed. He picked up the laptop and a couple of DVDs to help pass the time. With his purchase in hand, he browsed the shops nearby, thinking about what he could take home to his wife. He and Katie had their issues. He promised that he would take her on this trip, but it hadn't worked out with her job schedule. The whole thing led to a fight, and he'd left the country on bad terms with her. On a whim, he stopped into a jewelry store and bought her a silver necklace. It was simple and beautiful, and she'd probably think he was trying to buy her affections, but what the hell. As the afternoon progressed, he felt the tension drain from his body. There was something to be said from being away from the high-pressure environment at home. He loved his family and his job, but at some point people had just stopped caring about each other. He smiled at his train of thought. I'm becoming a fucking Hallmark special. He patted his shoulder bag. He pulled out his phone and started looking for a place to set up and get some work done. A diner that had gotten four stars on his favorite social dining site was an easy walking distance. Roger's Shiny Diner fused the best of the 50s kitchen food with a great selection of alcohol. He got a table quickly, fired up his new computer, and got to work. After a few minutes, his waiter came around. What can I get for you, sir? Give me the double bacon burger, fries, and the darkest beer you have. He didn't even bother looking up from his keyboard. Yes, sir. Paul didn't notice the slightly cool tone. Thanks, mate. The burger came, and both it and the beer were awesome as advertised. The latter had a hint of maple flavor. He ordered a second one and took time to enjoy it. The burger and first beer seemed to have evaporated. When the waiter brought his third one, Paul's gaze flicked to the laptop. I know it's a bit rude, but I have a big presentation tomorrow, and my original machine went on the fritz. What, was he apologizing now? The waiter, a man half his age, smiled brightly. I understand completely, sir. Good luck. And this one's on the house. He nodded to the pint glass. You just doubled your tip. Paul tipped the edge of the glass slightly to the waiter and took a long pull. The waiter smiled and left to take care of the other customers. Paul finished his third beer and was tempted to get a fourth, but he had that pleasantly full feeling and a torpor in his limbs that let him know he had had enough. The hotel was a good twenty-minute walk, and he wanted to be steady on his feet. He shut down the laptop, satisfied that it was as close to his original machine as he could get it as far as the data and shortcuts were concerned. He tucked it into the bag and made sure to leave the promised generous tip. The air had turned decidedly frigid. Maybe he could shave the walk down to fifteen if he hustled. He pulled out his phone and looked for a shortcut. Google provided a route that would get him back to his cozy room faster. He reminded himself to increase his stock in the company. 
Five minutes into his journey, the phone directed him into an alley. He didn't like the look of it. The darkness provided all sorts of hiding places, and the thumping bass from the club that made up its left half would mask any sounds of struggle. Back home, this would be an invitation to a mugging. What am I worried about? This is Canada. He smiled and strode into the alley. He hadn't made it halfway when the man stepped out from behind a trash dumpster. Hold it right there, douchebag. Paul stopped and took a good look at the man. He was at least half a foot shorter than the big American, but his shoulders were broad and his arms were well-muscled. The thing that really got Paul's attention, though, was the wicked-looking switchblade. I don't want any trouble. Then you'll give me that pretty bag and your wallet along with it. The man looked around, even letting his attention drift upwards. And hurry the fuck up. The point of the knife twitched. Paul moved slowly, in spite of the warning. The best advice he'd been given after he was mugged the first time was to make no sudden movements. All right, I'm giving you my bag. He scowled and pulled it over his head. Here you go. He put it on the ground and slid it over. Reaching for my wallet? I don't need the play-by-play. Just give me your wallet. And I won't make you bleed to death, you stupid pig. Paul pulled his wallet out and tossed it at the man's feet. His plan was to run as soon as the guy bent down. He wouldn't lose much, since his cash cards and passport were in his money belt. The mugger's eyes narrowed. Let's have anything else you've got on you. Don't hold out on me, shithead. Look, mate, that computer's worth more than anything in my wallet. Take it, just leave me everything else. I like the sound of an American begging. Keep it up. Paul didn't have time to respond. Two repelling ropes dropped to the alley floor from up above. Two men in deep red uniforms, their faces covered in balaclavas, sped down them and touched down lightly. Each one had his hands filled with steel batons before either the mugger or his victim had time to respond. Hit the ground. The order was slightly muffled. You're not going to take me alive. The mugger lunged at the nearest man. Ninja? The steel bar the uniformed man wielded became a blur. It knocked the knife from his fingers and cracked across his skull. Blood misted in the chill air. As you wish. Paul had time to notice the letters RCNP stenciled across their shoulders in a slightly darker red color before the second one turned. Are you all right, sir? Do we need to call anyone? Paul shook his head dumbly. He knew his own country was screwed up, but this couldn't happen in America. He took his bag and wallet from the cop that had killed the mugger. At least Paul assumed he was dead. You couldn't have taken him alive? The second cop shook his head. He was in violation of Code 31Z, committing a felony with a deadly weapon and a bad attitude. He would have gotten the death penalty anyway. The first one was spreading out a body bag. It had property of Husky Chow stenciled along its side. His body will be processed and there will be one less dirt bag taking up oxygen. I understand that what you're seeing here may shock you, but the new program is working well. Crime and the negativity associated with the criminal element have gone down dramatically since its implementation. I understand your government is working on something similar. With a crisp nod, he returned to one of the ropes and began climbing. His partner had tied the body bag to his rope and began climbing. In minutes, the two began pulling the bag up the side of the building. 
They had been gone for five minutes before he realized that he was getting uncomfortably cold. He made sure he had his things and wandered to his hotel in a daze. The next day went by with Paul barely managing to go through the motions. He had spent half the night trying to find anything online that would confirm what he had seen. There were conspiracy nuts who talked about the Royal Canadian Niceness Patrol, but no one took it seriously. Some even said that the government had bought scouring the web for any mention of the new laws and any actions undertaken by the government enforcing them. Either the bots worked, or last night had been an alcohol-soaked fever dream. He didn't think he'd had that much to drink. The presentation went fine, and Paul couldn't get back to America fast enough. When he took his seat on the plane, he smiled and nodded to the older gentleman next to him. They struck up a conversation about the weather, and the guy spent half an hour talking to Paul about his grandkids. Paul was tempted more than once to interrupt, but the thought of a steel bar coming down on his head stopped him. It was ludicrous. But what if there was someone watching him? He remembered the woman on the street and her walkie-talkie. Was he on some kind of watch list now? He put up with the yammering until the codger fell asleep. He tried to get some shut-eye himself, but images of that cute dog in the commercial played through his head. Part of him admired the notion of turning criminals into something useful, but was a profanity-laced mugging enough of a cause for that outcome? He didn't think so. He pondered putting his experience online, but damned if he'd do it before he was on America's sovereign soil. Only once he was there would he feel safe. The plane landed and he gathered his bags. People around him carried on conversations and nodded as they passed one another. There seemed to be quite a number of uniformed Homeland Security folks in the airport, more so than usual. There was nothing different about their logo, and he chuckled at his own paranoia. He couldn't see that kind of thing taking root in the States. Americans loved their independence. He fumbled for his e-cig and headed for the exit. As he passed a sports bar, something caught his eye. A playful white husky yipped at its owner, and the all-too-familiar logo played on the screen. Husky Chow, 100% meat with no fillers coming soon to a store near you you like cheap comic books right well i'm professor allen and i talk about cheap comic books on the quarterbin podcast in every episode i'll dissect a single comic from my collection as long as i paid no more than 25 cents for the issue Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost a hundred bucks to collect. Join me in the quarter bin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarter Bin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast and iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny.